Hi, this is Kalia. And this is Chris. And this is It's, it's a, a Queer, queer thing. thing. On this show, we focus on politics, civil rights, news, and entertainment. And on this show, we have special guests and interviews focusing on issues relevant to the LGBTQ plus community. So let's get to it. Hey, Chris. Hey, Kalia. Happy November. Happy. No- I was wondering where you were going. With that. <laughs> Happy November. We're out of we're out of Halloween. But what did you do for Halloween? I sat on my porch and gave out candy and we had record breaking number of people on the porch. We had 122 children come to my house last night. God, that sounds so unappealing to me. I can't even tell you. <laughs> it was the best. I love it. I love asking the kids what their costumes are and then laughing because I'm old and I don't know any anime characters. Do you try and scare them? No, 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 no. That's no. No, uh, that's not the purpose of Halloween. That's not the, that's not my purpose. <laughs> I like to look at their costumes and talk to the little kids. And we always have like pencils and erasers and stuff for kids who don't want, you know, candy or whatever. And the, do kids lots pick of pencils and erasers? You know what? Usually I run very low on those things. This year, they were not interested. This year was all about the candy. I'm like, do so. kids even know what a pencil is? I mean, they can do. they recognize And stickers it? And, and little, you know, temporary tattoos and little rings and erasers. Okay. Like, usually that bucket is the one that gets emptied fast. But this year okay. it was more about candy. So it's been very interesting. I, I, I like to notice trends, right? So this year there were hardly any superheroes. The only superhero I saw was Batman. There were like two ba- Batmans and there was like one Spider-Man. But that was it. Were the costumes? There was a lot of like Freddy's and Jasons and like Mike Myers, like serial killers on young kids. Yes, surprisingly. Interesting. There was there was a whole group of Barbies, a girls all. I was going to say Barbies got to be out. That was big. A lot of teenage girls and Barbies. My favorite. There was one teenage girl dressed as a domino, which was pretty awesome. Black with the white dots. That was cute. And there was one, she had like this red outfit. I was trying to place her. And then she turned around and like strapped to her side was this large inflatable gingerbread man who was missing his leg. And she, and then I realized she was Farquaad from the Shrek movie. Oh, cool. <laughs> yes. I, I was like, oh, that is the best. Um, a lot of princesses. Do you know the Muffin Man? <laughs> yeah. Mm, muffins, yes. Um, so it was it was fun. It was very it was very cute. And cool. like I said, tons and tons of kids. And yeah, it was it was a good time. And we have cool. some candy left over that we'll donate. And so all was good. What about you? I stayed in because it, it, it came to a culmination with my truck. Uh, my truck was totaled by the insurance company about three days ago, four days ago. And yesterday was the culmination of doing the paperwork and talking to them and getting all that done. So at that point, I was like, I don't want to see anybody or talk to anybody. <laughs> and we didn't buy any candy anyway. We decided ahead of time. I I, I told James because this whole week it's been about the truck. I'm like, I'm not in the mood. I don't want to participate. So it's amazing if you turn off the lights and close the blinds they don't come near you so you're just really living and leaning in to that curmudgeon no no we do it every year we do candy Mm -hmm. every year um Mm -hmm. and i sometimes wear a mask to scare the kids i wore the clown mask from it a couple years ago 
And I so traumatized this one young Aww. kid that was like five years old. She just started screaming. Aww. And so I ripped my mask off. I'm like, look, honey, it's just me. It's just a joke. And but yeah, not this year. This year we were doing other things. I like the costume part of Halloween. I like the candy part. Not super into the creepy, scary stuff. So yeah, see, I love that. I did costumes for years. I don't care about costumes anymore. And I was Rosie the Riveter last night. I had a little headband and a little. You mean on your on. porch? Yeah. Did anybody know what you were? A bunch of the parents did. Yeah. The parents. Okay. You're really I reaching mean, the younger generation there, Kaylee. I'm I just again, <laughs> I it's fine. I you know it's kind of a joke because I think the kids know now. If they come, they come up to our and I say, okay, if I can guess your costume, you get extra candy. And then I I can't guess their costumes because they're all anime things. And I said, okay, I'm old and you're young and you get extra candy. And so everybody gets extra candy at my house. Like it's just oh, you know, the rainbows it's fun. are just shooting out of your ass right now. Let me just say. <laughs> Anyways, um, listeners, as you can tell, we are recording this the day after Halloween on November 1st. This will, episode will actually come out on the 3rd, as you know. But I do have another question for you, Chris. Yeah. What kind of key cannot open a door? Uh, the key to my heart? No. Uh, wait, wait. I get it. One more guess. Uh, I don't know. What is it? A turkey. A turkey. Wow, you were on the porch for a long time last night, girl. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay, one more. What did the turkey say to the turkey hunter on Thanksgiving? I don't know. He said, quack, quack. Oh, so he wouldn't be recognized <laughs> as a turkey. People, we can Indeed. keep this going all night. Please help me oh. not to do it. Please stop <laughs> it now. Okay, okay. But it is turkey season it is turkey month it is all about thanksgiving so in my family we we do the thanksgiving thing all all month long every night we talk about things that we're thankful for sometimes we write them on little leaves and we decorate a tree and sometimes we you know do other little crafty things with them sometimes we just talk so chris what are you thankful for today Today, I'm thankful for my husband. In fact, I messaged him a picture of my hand today from work with showing my wedding ring because I get to see my wedding ring as I'm typing and doing my work. And once in a while, every day, at least once or twice, I think of my husband because of my wedding ring. And there's, there's a story behind it because I lost my wedding ring a couple years ago after we'd had a fight and then he bought me a new one. So, and I it never, ever leaves my fingers. So that was what I was thankful for today. How about you? That is very sweet. I don't even wear a wedding ring so, anymore. Wow, um, what a bitch. What a bitch. <laughs> no, it's just my hands got, get swollen when I'm boxing, and then I it got stuck. and then my I My hands get swollen when I'm boxing. That has got to be a, a sound bite that we use over and over again. Okay, what? So what? <laughs> Anyways, today I am thankful for friends and family, of course, but I am really thankful for all the different ways we get to communicate with our friends and family. Like you and I are talking on Zoom. I have been on Marco Polo with people today. What I the hell is Marco Polo? It's an app that us youngs use to talk to one another. Oh, you know, I you don't belong in that category anymore. <laughs> I just want to let you know. But I've been on Facebook Messenger. There's been text messaging. I, you know, it's just so many. And different did ways I see we... you joined WhatsApp like 12 years after the app came out? Is that? Yeah, finally, I, you know, people, which have been means it should be disbanded too. in a week, because that's usually what I do. I join stuff way at the end of the spectrum, and then it goes away because I took so long to join. Multiple people have asked me in the last month 
to to talk to them on WhatsApp. And I was like, See, okay, this fine. is what's so. irritating. And I, I fascinating too, but okay. Everybody has the way they want to communicate. Now, nobody communicates mm -hmm. by phone. I mean, as far as talking on the phone, nobody does that anymore. Whenever I call somebody, it's like, I know you and I talk on the phone, but there's very few people that I can call and they don't automatically go, what the hell are you? Either they ignore me and then immediately afterwards say, text me, or they talk to me. I'm like, you're calling me on the phone. Oh, now see, I like I talk to my mom on the phone. That's, well, moms that's don't count. I... I'm talking about oh, no, because moms are always going to want to talk to you on the phone. But I'm talking about just everybody else in your life. How many other people do you talk to on the phone? Um, like I you talk know, to my aunt on the phone. My my aunt again. My mom, that doesn't count. My grandma. <laughs> Those people don't count. Those are not your contemporaries. <laughs> that that's true. You know what though? I will say, every now and then I will talk to my best friend on the phone because. The rant, the vent, the top, the the tears, the something needs actual verbal oh, yeah, communication. Yeah, yeah. So we do definitely still talk on the phone. And whenever I travel, Matthew and I talk on the phone, or whenever he travels, we we call each other when we're out of town. And talk, yeah, and so. I will say the same about James. We I we talk on the phone all the time. But it's the, I guess it's the friends and and maybe not so much yeah. family if they're older because they always want to talk on the phone. But it's either people will only communicate via Facebook Messenger or only communicate via text. I have so many people that I go back and forth with, and I know I can only do this on Messenger or I can only do this on text or I can only do this here. Very few email, but some email too, but almost never on the phone. Yeah, I just I love the fact that this there are so many options. And so you can keep track of people and you can keep in touch with people in such a variety of ways, right? You right. know, I can talk to my kickball team on Discord. Yep, I said That's it already. One. I I can talk to my I have a little group of friends and we talk on Messenger, we talk on Zoom actually once a week as well. Like, you know what I mean? I just like the fact that we can we there's So is WhatsApp avenues. still that one that your message dissolves into nothing after a few minutes? That's Snapchat. Oh, that's Snapchat. See. I have that too. Yes. Oh, of course you do. <laughs> Anyways. So that's what I'm thankful for today. Okay. And now I have another question for yeah. you. Yeah. What song do you sing when you're preparing your turkey? Oh push it push it good because you've no i'm just kidding well first of all i won't clean out the turkey i won't okay. do it i make james do that so okay. i will get up i will pull the turkey out and then i'll walk to the living room i said okay you're up i want you to clean that fucker out and i don't want to know anything i don't want to see a neck anywhere when i go back in there i don't want to see giblets nothing just you don't cook the giblets oh no 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 that's disgusting oh, wow. So that's what, and as far as music, I, you know, the, I have one group that I listen to in the kitchen over and over and over again when I cook, when I bake, whatever. And it is the Pointer Sisters. Oh. I will just turn to Alexa and say, play me some Pointer Sisters. And I am happy the entire time. I think that's one of the greatest groups of all time. And I just love their music and it never gets old. Um, so that's what, what about you? What do you play? <laughs> I play whatever the mood strikes while I'm cooking. But the answer to the, the joke is that the song that you want to Oh, there was a joke. I didn't know this was a setup. <laughs> when you're cooking your turkey, the song you should sing is, it's all about the baste, about the baste, all oh, pepper. My it's God. all about the baste. And where the is base. my Ex goat bell right now? <laughs> Extra butter. <laughs> Extra butter. I like that. Well, now I'm going to have to play that song. I, I have James come in and sing it and change the lyrics because I don't sing even in my own presence because that's scary even to me. So, anyways, yeah. So, um, I know that we're both going to be doing a bunch of Thanksgiving stuff, and we'll we'll say this: we have decided not to do do traditional. Usually, every year it's turkey for Thanksgiving, it's ham for Christmas. I 
talked to James like a month ago and I said, please, please let me out of this spiral. Let me make something else for Thanksgiving dinner. We don't know what that is yet, but um, no turkey and no ham this year. We're going to try something else. So I'm doing a progressive Thanksgiving dinner with friends, which means there are going to be three different Thanksgiving dinners in the span of three days, and they are all different themed. So the third one is the traditional. There's going to be a smoked turkey and all the sides that you kind of expect. The middle one is my foodie friend is going to be cooking it. And I think that they're making duck and I'm not sure what all, but like fancy, high level fancy food. And then the the one that I'm doing with my sister is all like the classic things from our family, like randomly throughout the years. So we're going to actually have pumpkin gnocchi as one yeah. of our things. And we'll have a ham too for the kids. And then we're also, you know, there's like a cranberry sorbet. So it's like a, a like some of the little things from our family history. that. Okay. We're so let me ask you this, because I know you don't cook or you don't enjoy it's- cooking. Yes. Um, Very important distinction. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You have to cook. You're a mom. <laughs> I love to cook and I do it all the time, but as someone who doesn't like to cook, so mm-hmm. well, I guess you answered a couple of questions. You're not going to do all three nights. So some friend of yours right. is going to do the second night. Who's doing the first? So we're doing the first. Kristen and I are doing the first, okay. the Lee family. So you staff. and your sister, the first, your friend, and the my, second, and then who's doing the Leah's third? Doing the, my, my other friend. My, so, my, oh, so you're only my, in the first? Yeah, we're all three going to the three places. So Leah and Joe are coming from out of town. They have an Airbnb near my house. And then Cynthia lives here in town. So we oh, have so a it's different locations dinner. too. Okay. And the kids are going to have a big slumber party here on Wednesday night. And so, the children are cooking for us at one point. So it's like all you whole... have to do is the homegrown stuff, like stuff that meant something to your family, right? You don't have to do yeah. the big turkey at the end. Well, nope. you lucked out on that one, girl. Yeah. Yep. We get to host the first one and, and the sleepover part. So all of the children. Well, I can't say I understand that, but that's all right. That's you. That's yeah. It'll be fun. I'm excited. Yeah, vodka makes everything fun. Okay. Oh yeah, there will be specialty drinks. There will, of course, (laughs) there will. It's the holidays. (laughs) It is. It is indeed. Okay, so let's transition. All of that stuff is coming up at the end of the month, but we got a lot of November to get through before we get to Thanksgiving. And I know, listeners, that you guys know that we will talk about local events and things coming up, but we want to talk about something that's coming up very quickly. It is next week. It's only a few days away from when this episode is going to drop. It's actually on November 7th, and it is a county board supervisors meeting. And the reason that matters, well, Chris, why don't you tell the people why it's important for us to show up at this meeting next week? So the reason this matters, and, you know, we've talked about this ad nauseum on the show because it is happening ad nauseum around us. Uh, they are going after the books and they're going after the students, particularly trans students. This is a county board of supervisors meeting that's happening on Tuesday, November 7th at 930 a.m. And I'll give you the address in a bit. And this is because, and I can only think, and Kaylee, I don't know this, but I'm sure this is a result of that Clovis. Diane Pierce. Yeah, but the Clovis City Council meeting we went to Mm -hmm. when they were trying to suggest to the County Board of Supervisors that they take control of the library. And at that meeting, they kind of decided they'd write their own letters. um, And it didn't, we didn't think it was really going to go anywhere. Well, guess what, people? It went somewhere and it went somewhere big. Uh, County Board of Supervisors, I have a resolution in my hand and I have a board agenda. The board agenda item is number 10. 
And this is to establish a parents matter, quote unquote, approach to reviewing age appropriate children's books in Fresno County libraries. I just want to read a little bit from the actual resolution. Whereas the Fresno County Board of Supervisors has observed that there are some children's books and other materials undefined in the children's sections of county libraries that contain sexual writing, sexual references, sexual images, gender identity content, and other sexual content or content deemed inappropriate, age inappropriate, and. Now, let me just stop there first. Gender, in a, gender identity content is lumped in with sexual writing, sexual references, sexual images, and other sexual content. These people have no idea what gender identity is. They lump it in with sexual. Also, this age inappropriate aspect. Undefined. Is, what does it mean? Yeah, it is. And the other materials. I, I just want to say again, because I know we're going to go through this, but the librarians at the library are trained professionals. They don't right. just willy-nilly pick up books and randomly put them in the library. The books that are in the library have already been vetted by professionals that and put into the section Educated of the library professionals, where right? that they belong. The rest of this is saying, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, they are after books and other materials that contain sexual content, again, unidentified or un undefined and obscene or age inappropriate undefined material the other thing that they say and and the thing is that they're they're trying to it's a scare tactic right, right. but one of the things it says it says whereas those books and other materials containing age inappropriate content are presently readily available to children without any parental or guardian involvement or requirement for parental or guardian requirement right that's not true it's not true and it's just not true <laughs> well explain that why is that not true because children are not allowed to be in the library unsupervised right. when they're when they're little and they get checked out. Like the books that are in the children's Do section are for children. And if a child tries to check out a book that's not appropriate, like they, they can't do that. And do so, we know the age that children are not allowed to act for themselves in a library? That I don't know, okay. but I know that they talked about it at that last meeting we went to because one of the librarians got up there and said the children are not supposed to be supervised. Yeah. I think under the age of 12. Or I something. think it's 10 or and 12. Like, yeah. And here's the thing. The children's section is like for little children. Right. My child is an 11 year old. There's nothing in the children's section for her anymore. All of the middle grade and YA teen angsty books are somewhere else. Like that's not even what they're talking about. I think that's part of the tactic of these people and not just the Fresno County Board of Supervisors, but all the people we've talked about here and across the country is that they don't understand what the definition of children is when it comes to education. Um, they yeah. are lumping children from zero to 18. And of course, we all know that's not true. They also say in this that uh, the county libraries are funded by taxpayers from the community and children's books and other materials are generally judged by, quote, community standards. That's quote unquote in there. What the hell is community standard? Is your Christian standard for your Christian child the same as my atheist standard for my atheist child? That is crazy. There's no such thing as community standards across the board. Okay, and then it references a court case. And this is what the court case, Miller v. California. This is the Supreme Court case that explains that community standards. A work may be subject to state regulation where that work taken as a whole appeals to the purient interest in sex 
portrays in a patently offensive way sexual contact specifically defined by the applicable state law and taken as a whole does not have any serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Basically, porn. Okay, they're saying porn. So they're saying that the community standard basically says, is this porn or is this not porn? It's not porn. It can be there. If it's porn, it's not there. And they these people, Brandau specifically in this resolution, are saying that anything with sex, anything with gender identity, anything that they don't like is is pornographic and and yeah they didn't say specifically anything about gender identity they didn't say gender identity that is sexually related or sexually connected they just said gender identity period yeah which is what's happening across the country with the don't say gay stuff now the most i think the scariest thing about this is the next part which is establishment of a community parent and guardian review committee a community parent and i'm quoting a community parent and guardian review committee shall be established to review all current, proposed, or new children's books and other materials procured for the county libraries, which is everything in the library. The committee shall be comprised of 15 community members over 18 years of age. And here's the trick, people. Each county supervisor member shall appoint three of them. So these are not people elected or, or or sifted through by the community. These are the county board of supervisors choosing these people. And guess what? Guess who they're going to choose? They're going to choose people who are in line with their way of thinking and who want to ban books and censor books. Nobody else has a say in this. This is scary as shit. Yeah. And, and this is where I think it's going to fall apart <laughs> because I think that it, it, it is it is a it is a big ask. It's one thing to say all the books in the libraries need to be reviewed again, or we don't know if the books there um you know are appropriate or whatever, because we don't know because we're dumbasses and we have our thumbs up our ass and we don't bother to go check. But it's a very different thing to say this community of randos that we're gonna assign get to determine all future procurement materials at the library. Right. Like that. That is a huge overrate. Oh, huge. And it takes, as you said, say again, Kalia, what what do the librarians do in terms of curating the material in their in their facility? They curate the material right. in their facility. Right. They vet them. It's not there's no big publishing group out there that's like secretly getting books in. You know, they're not these aren't books that are just dropped off at the library. Even when you donate books, they vet them. Right. They decide and they take out old books and they put in newer books. And it's like an ongoing process over there. Oh, yeah, yeah. God, I wish we had someone from the library who could talk about this. Yeah, again, if there's anybody from any of the libraries uh, across Fresno, Clovis, whatever, that would like to talk to us, I know we have not had any luck in getting that, but we still want to hear from you. Yeah, we would love to hear the more the specifics because like if you go on the website you can see the listing of of qualifications and how they choose books and and what the process is when a book is deep you know somebody doesn't like it and stuff but i would love to hear it directly um, and get this just, steve brandow yeah. the big old tool that he is and yes i said he was a tool and i've debated steve on gv wired and he's got a lot of issues but he is holding a press conference tomorrow yes so we're recording this on the 1st of November on the 2nd of November and which is tomorrow for us and yesterday for you guys listening um there's going to be a press conference now it's a little too late for us to attend that press conference and then report on it and put that into this episode unfortunately based on the timing but 
Um, I know that I will be at least trying to watch it. I don't think I'll be able to attend, but I will try to watch it. And and we will be posting about it on our Facebook page, et cetera. So if you do, if you've missed it and you haven't heard what happened there, definitely check our, our feeds because we will we will be reporting on it. But yeah, I think it's he- interesting that they are holding these press conferences and meetings at 930. And uh, let's see, when is the, it just says in the morning on November 2nd. So I don't know when that occurred. But oh, I have it. they're holding it in the morning when a lot of people cannot attend, especially the supervisors meeting. Yeah, yeah. So let me oh, just say to everybody, and I am going to submit a statement, and Kalia is going to submit a statement or try and be there live. You submit a statement, since I know a lot of people can't be there at 930 on Tuesday, submit a statement. Yep, yep, on Tuesday on the 7th. So, you know, this is going to come out on the 3rd, and then we're going to... So do yourself a favor, fourth, yeah. submit it a day ahead at least, and submit it to every mm-hmm. single county board and every every supervisor on the fresno county board of supervisors and we will be posting their names and email addresses on our facebook page yes and if you need help drafting something there's a few boilerplate you know things out there but really what matters is you say this is an overreach this is inappropriate their librarians are professionals and this is a witch hunt and it is based on bigotry and nonsense yeah do we want our government policing our books and censoring our books and telling us what we can read and can't because we all know what comes after this book burnings and it's horrifying what's happening it's just funny not funny as in haha but funny as in what the fuck that the brandau specifically and a lot of the republicans it's all about get the government out of our personal lives right excuse you what the hell do you think you're doing coming in here and telling the public library what books they're allowed to have exactly and just so everybody the hypocrisy is just freaking i know that's the thing and you you know you and i are obviously always open to opposing opinions we want that we're americans we want opposing opinions but when you don't recognize your own hypocrisy, when you're saying don't let the government step on you and all you're doing as a Republican Party is stepping on people and stepping on their rights and trying to infringe on them, listen to what you're doing. Just so everybody knows, the Board of Supervisors meeting is held 930 November 7th in the board chambers located in the Hall of Records, 2281 Tulare Street, third floor, Fresno, California. And we will post links in the show notes and links on our Facebook page. Yes. And I'm going to drop my child off at school and then try to get myself over there as quickly as possible. This is big people. The other meetings we went to, they were kind of vague and kind of wishy-washy. This, They are not being wishy-washy at the Fresno County Board of Supervisors. Yeah. And we already know that they're going to have their supporters there, the quote unquote masses of people who have been complaining about these books, which, okay, sure. So we, it would be great to have as much support as possible. Yeah, and on if, our if side. you can't be there, send send a letter, email a letter in. I did it for the last for the one up at Bass Lake. It's very easy, and they do read those. They do pay attention to those. Okay, so moving slightly on from that, we do have um, a couple of good news notes about books, etc. That we're going to save for the end because we want to kind of go out on a high note. But our next little segment on this show today is an interview that we did. We were really excited to talk to Drew over at PFLAG, and they just opened up a queer library as part of the Fresno EOC's LGBT 
LGBTQ Resource Center, which is also in downtown. If you haven't been to the the Resource Center, it's adorable. I hadn't been in a while. It's 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 way brighter and and more colorful. So much cool art going on down there. Check out our TikTok. I made a video, a little quick music tour of it. It was very cute. And um, yeah, so let's go ahead and jump into that interview where we talk to Drew about the queer library. All right, people, we are here with Drew with PFLAG Fresno. Drew, welcome. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. We had the pleasure of attending your opening night, your grand opening at the EOC LGBTQ Center downtown and about the Little Queer Library. Tell us what that's all about. We have been looking for ways for PFLAG to get into the community more. Um, we've been looking for ways to serve the community better. And uh, I was speaking with Jess uh, at the EOC and I had heard rumor that they might want a library in the EOC LGBTQ Resource Center at some point. And I said, that is a spectacularly PFLAG sort of thing to do. Can we help you? Can we work with you on that? And the EOC staff were very gracious. And I went to the board. We made a decision. We allocated some funds. We started buying books. We realized how expensive books are. We allocated more funds. We fundraised. And uh, we bought more books, and here we are. Well, tell us, so did you buy all these books, or were they bought and donated? The vast majority of them were were bought. We have about $5,000 invested in this. It's uh, 500 books to start. PFLAG itself allocated $3,000. We had a $1,000 donation from Dr. Nicole. We got another $1,000 or so in random donations, including one before we had even announced the library. Somebody who is a librarian and grew up in Stockton contacted us and said, hey, can we give you $250 for your library? And we said, yes, please. We did get some book donations online. We have an Amazon wish list. The most adorable one of those was when Dr. Kat Faubert bought every single one of Chris Colfer's books for the library, which I thought was just adorable. So it's a mixture, but um, a good chunk of it was uh, either PFLAG or PFLAG adjacent funds. Okay, so I know, Chris knows, you know, but some of our listeners might not know. Can you tell us the elevator pitch of who and what PFLAG is? So yeah, PFLAG, we are a nationwide organization. We are a local chapter of a nationwide organization. Locally, we've been around for about 30 years. Nationally, we're celebrating our 50th year. Used to stand for parents and families of lesbians and gays. That is obviously not inclusive enough for the rainbow of our community. So back in 2014, they changed to just PFLAG. We're an organization, we work on three pillars, support, education, and advocacy for the LGBT community and the people who love us. Our particular group has been focused on the support and education. My interest is getting us more involved in the advocacy. So you probably have seen us doing some other things that are more advocate type recently. Our flagship is our monthly support group meeting. We meet on the second Sunday of every month from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Wesley United Methodist Church at 1343 East Barstow near the stadium. The first hour of that is always an education piece. We always have a speaker. Actually, two of the speakers might be very familiar to you as uh, you both spoke to us in July. We've had everyone from Fresno Fire Chief Gary Donas to the Dolores Fratta Foundation Youth Life Program representatives, GSA Network, the EOC, everybody, everyone who's invested in and caring for our community. I want to give a voice to and make sure that we know what they're doing. As for supporting you in, in this particular library, because PFLAG is a nonprofit, right? Yes, we are a nonprofit. For people making their tax donate tax deductible donations, is it better for them to donate specifically straight to you guys, or is it better for people to buy things off of your wish list? 
Uh, yeah, that's a great question. So in order for it to be tax donatable, the easiest thing for to do is donate the funds. Those are in a special area that gets uh, earmarked specifically for books. And that way we can give the 501c3 form. I know that there is a way to do it in a donation tax in kind or, or donation in kind if people are donating the books themselves, like uh, from the wish list. I am not actually sure legally how to do that. And so I'm going to advise folks to just donate the cash money, which is very easy. We just fill out a form and send that back to them. And, and thanks. Great. And if they don't need the tax um, deductible and they can still just buy books off the wish list or go through their own shelves and buy and grab books and, and bring them in. Is that correct? Yeah, we would recommend the Amazon wish list. We want to ensure that the library remains current, that the books are current, that they are good sources of information. Uh, we want to make sure that there's not outdated, incorrect language that we're, we're putting out into the community. And unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, the language modifies moves so quickly in our community that we want to make sure that things are recent. So I don't want to get a whole bunch of books that aren't necessarily um, accurate or representative of our community. So we have an Amazon wish list with right now, I think it's about about 300 books on it. And I am very open for us to take recommendations for books, especially in areas which uh, we might be blind to. We might be, I realize that like our spirituality section is extraordinarily lacking because that's not an area that that I particularly know anything about. So we would love book recommendations from folks as well as we build up our wish list and build up our hopes for what we put in. So speaking of sections, can you tell us what sections you have? Oh, sure. It's a small library, right? So we're organizing it in a way that's kind of particular to this library. We're not going by the Dewey Decimal System. So the easiest way to organize is by tags. So we're tagging books so people can find it because Brittany, who helped me to catalog and organize, we had multiple discussions about where do we put Bayard Rustin's, where, where are we going to put his biography? Do we put it in memoir? Do we put it in personal stories? So there's so much overlap. So take these with a grain of salt because our community is queer and we don't, we don't play by the rules very well. Raw. So <laughs> <laughs> Labels, bah. Yeah. Okay. Bah. <laughs> So we have fiction, nonfiction. In the nonfiction, we have personal stories, which includes memoirs, which it turns out that we queers like to talk a lot about our stories. So we have quite a bit of those. We have history. We have culture. We have spirituality. We have we have clinical reference. One of the things I wanted to make sure we had was an ability for clinicians who are working with our community to be able to check out books that will help them to understand their clients a little bit better. So we have a clinical reference section. Under nonfiction still, we have, we clump together parenting and allyship because those topics seem, especially in the books for our community, seem to overlap so much. We also have uh, the fiction section. We have young adult fiction. And as you and I discussed yesterday, there's quite a bit of overlap on that. So the genres are all, all kind of fluid and mixed together. We have a kid section, uh, which is mix of <laughs> picture books. It's a mix of LGBTQ positive, diversity positive, inclusive positive, and just random random books that we wanted that were important for kids to have. The one section that we have that is not specifically LGBTQ, the vast majority of our books, probably 85-90% are written by, for, or about LGBTQ people. The one section we have that isn't, we're calling it our banned books and intersecting identities section. So that's where we're putting our banned books, such as Catcher in the Ride, To Kill a Mockingbird, 
that's where we're putting books um, that deal with intersectionality. Uh, like some of the, we have a disability book um, from a, a very well-known disability rights activist that didn't fit in the queer section, but this is an important book for people to be able to access. So I wanted that in the library, but it, it's not queer. So it, it goes in the straight section. So I'm going to let Chris ask a question, obviously, but I just, I have to jump in and say, is this, um, are you saying that it's like uh, genre fluid? <laughs> it is. Yes. I'm sorry. I've been sitting on that for most of Don't what you said. Sorry. I could tell. <laughs> Our little queer library is most decidedly genre fluid. Love it. <laughs> well, now I would like to know, you're talking about all these sections. Do you have a Star Trek queer fan fiction section? We are sadly lacking in our 500 books. I thought you were, because I looked for it last night, and I didn't yes. see it. So I, we may have to start that up. I think Kaylee and I would both be interested in that. You know, I'm pretty sure I actually have one book on the wish list for, that would be considered Star Trek genre fiction. Really? Okay. I think I do. I know All I right. saw one. I'm, I'm pretty well, if sure. if not, I'm I'll send you some suggestions. So, <laughs> not that I read those books, but I think it would be really cool to have that section. So, I, I want to go back just a bit and, and touch on what you said about language. We've had a lot of controversy in the last few years about language in books, like when they were going after some of Mark Twain's books because the N-word was in there or so on and so forth. So, are you saying that there are some books you wouldn't have that maybe were written in the 70s or the 60s because they used terms that are now offensive to our community? That's a really solid question. I'm glad you asked that. So no, absolutely not. Those stories are important to be told. They need to be told. The word I was thinking of most specifically, as I said that, was the word transsexual, which we have generally moved away from, and especially as I'm thinking in terms of like the clinical reference books. But for for stories that tell of the experience of human beings who have been called these names, we're not gonna we're not gonna whitewash that. Those stories need to be told. That's important, not just for the uh, BIPOC community, but also for the queer community. Um, I'm certainly not going to exclude a book from the Little Queer Library where a character is mocked and called queer or other terms that have uh, been applied to our community. So, I mean, but obviously you, you know what I'm talking about because right. as the queer community moves on through history and mm -hmm. we are a lot younger now than we used to be, not me personally or probably anybody <laughs> on this podcast, but other people, yeah. of course, language changes. Language is fluid and it changes. Yes. And I'm all for that. I think that's great. But you understand that a lot of times you might have some young kids walking into your library going, picking up a book and going, oh, they said you know, whatever word in this book, and we want this book banned. I think that's a conversation we need to have with young people and with each other. Do we ban books because at the time they were written 50 years ago or whatever it was, we all use different words. We didn't even know the word transgender back then. We used sure. like transsexual or other mm -hmm. derogatory words that we sometimes, that we don't use anymore, but we sometimes use then. So that do you see that have as have, as a possibility for a conversation you're going to be having with people who visit the library? Certainly. And I think we probably will see that at some point. I know in terms of like very young children, you don't see them walking into the EOC Resource Center without their adults for, for very young children. For, for older teenagers who are coming in, probably any of these words that, that might be in any of our books, they've probably either been called it 
or experienced it personally themselves. I think today's youth are not given nearly enough credit in terms of understanding context and understanding fluidity and change. And I think that certainly there there may be adults who want to have that conversation for their youth. And if there are, there's actually a book that I would like to recommend to them in the library that we have. It's actually checked out right now, but it's uh, called Trust Kids. And it speaks to the overarching authoritarianism of, of adults over young adults and how we need to actually listen to and learn from young adults. And I think the young adults are, I don't think that this is a problem for them. I think that they understand context and I think that they can be trusted to understand that just because a word appeared in a book 50 years ago, that we don't start using that term to describe other communities. So do you think that's like a media related problem? You, it's not something that is the young people are bothered by that it's been created in media that to kind of, you know, create controversy? I believe that there are certain individuals who have vested interest in grabbing up as much power as possible. And I think that the language is an extraordinarily easy way to assume power. Right. I don't think the youth are in that same position as as the people who are using language as a wedge or a divisive tool to grasp and maintain power. You're giving me hope, Drew, and that doesn't usually happen with me on this show. Usually that's Kaylee. Is, I'm the I'm the negative one and she's the positive one, although we have switch roles from time to time. We're both switches. Now you hear it. You heard it here first. Now we know. Switch hitters. That was one of the old terms. Okay. That was one of the old terms. That is. Yes. That is. I play kickball. Sometimes we still use that phrase. <laughs> Whatever. We, can we clock how long we got into the show before she said the word kickball? We need to have a little clock on the I mean, side so we can You called clock. yourself old this time. That was on you. I have to. I have to yeah. beat you to the, to the punch. fucking punch once yeah. in a while. Okay. So, Drew, I have a, a very important question for you. Will there be a book club? Now that you have a library, the next logical step is a queer book club. I know that I am in a sapphic stories book club. Is there going to be a queer book club at the at the EOC's queer little library? I have not thought that far out. I love the idea. I'm going to throw my compadre who helped me to put the library together under the table now. I think that my compadre, uh, Brittany, who helped me to put it together and catalog it, would probably be excellent at running it. So if you're listening, Brittany. And we hope you are. <laughs> and we hope you are. You better be, Brittany. Of you. <laughs> no, I think that uh, that is something that, that certainly sharing, getting together and sharing stories, that's a way to build community. And especially in, a, in you know, my goal with, with this library, the, the goal for that we wanted was I wanted everybody to find themselves on our bookshelves. And beyond that, I wanted everybody to be able to learn about somebody else. So I think that a book club, a queer book club where we, and maybe it's a rotating leader who gets to pick the book and we get to explore different uh, experiences and lives would be an amazing thing. Just need to get through November before we start thinking about that. <laughs> Something definitely for after the first of the year, but sign me yeah. up for sure. I would love to come and attend a book club. Do you find, Drew, that young people read less than older people? Do you think that that's a kind of, a, it's an art that's going by the wayside because of videos and the phone and all that? I don't know that it's going by the wayside so much as it's evolving. One of the things that I wanted to include in our library that I was never really a part of in my youth was graphic novels. And at first my brain was like, no, that, that's not reading. That's just, that's just, that's just, is a comedy. That's not and that's such a limited view, right? It's a story being told. We maybe aren't 
maybe taking in stories in the same way that we used to exactly through through reading, but there are so many ways to ingest the stories of our community and to 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 hear those, to listen to those, whether that be through audiobooks, which I don't know if that's ever going to be something we are will be able to offer audio or or like um ebooks lending, but it's a dream, certainly, because there are other ways of consuming reading material other than a physical hard copy book. And and probably the, the youth of today are more savvy at utilizing those avenues. So I will say that speaking of graphic novels, one of when Kaylee and I read the top 10 banned books in the country and beyond, we read more than that. But uh, Gender Queer was yes. one of the books. And I think that's an, a, a very important book, not because it's a graphic novel. I mean, that's that's all well and good. But because of what it says, and it talks about, especially for trans kids, talks about gender expression and gender identity and yeah. the biological differences between sex and gender that I don't think a lot of people understand. So I highly recommend that book. And I know it's in your library. I think it was in your library before I donated it to you, but I donated an extra copy at least. We have three copies of it now with the one you donated. Cool. That's a very important book. We have multiple graphic novels, multiple different stories being told through a graphic novel. It was important to include those to make sure that those stories are accessible to to people who want to use our library. That's awesome. So the hours of the Queer Little Library are the hours of the EOC. Now, if there's an event at the EOC, it's not like then that counts as the EOC being open or is the library only open during like the regular business hours of the EOC? So the the answer to that is that the EOC staff are going to be the ones who are checking in and out the books. So as long as there's staff available, I'm going to leave it to their discretion as to if they are if they are currently like everybody is involved in an event and they're not able to then I certainly wouldn't want to put undue stress on them as they're already doing so many activities. But I know that they want to make sure that these stories get out too. And uh, they're, they're going to be the ones uh, who are checking in and out. And so whenever they are able to, they will be open. But 10 to 5, Monday through Friday is, is their operating hours. And it's a pretty safe bet that you can go in at any of those times and use a library. So tell us what the process is. Do people get library cards? How do they register? What happens if somebody says, yeah, I want to go and check out a book? Yeah, you get a library card. And if you lose it, then Chris actually chases you down with a baseball bat. (laughs) Oh, good to know. Okay. (laughs) No, nobody remembers where their their, library library card is, right? So we certainly didn't want people to, to have to, okay... Everybody except for Kaylee. Thank you. Lost your library card. <laughs> but let me say game. this. When <laughs> when we were there last night at the grand opening, Drew signed me up just to kind of show mm-hmm. me how it worked. And he signed me up very quickly on the computer. And we tested scanning a book that I might check out. And I immediately got an email on my phone that said, you have checked out so-and-so. So it's a really clean process. Yeah. yeah, it's very easy. All we need is your name and your email address. And I want to make it really clear, we're using people's lived names. We're not going by legal documents. We're not that kind of outfit. <laughs> so a name and an email, it will email you immediately and let you know you've checked it out and the date that it's due. It should email you three days in advance of the due date. And if it, if you don't bring it back, it'll email you three days after, seven days after, and 14 days after. 
And that's because, as you all both know, uh, a library is a huge investment. We do want to make sure that these books get back out to the community and don't get lost in, in people's homes and such. So we do respectfully ask people to please make sure to bring those back. So can we circle back to PFLAG real quick? Yeah. I want to know how people join the organization. It really depends on what you want to do. If you are wanting to give or receive support, the meeting is the way to go. Uh, we always need folks who are who have support to give because there's always people who need support. So that's one really easy way to, to do is show up for the meetings. If you just want to financially support us, a membership is a paid membership is $30 for the year. The year is October through September. $15 of that stays locally. $15 of it goes to our national partners who are doing everything from basic education to suing. I believe right now they're suing in North Carolina and Missouri and Tennessee. I might be wrong on that last one, to maintain access for families uh, PFLAG for trans youth. Um, so if you want to support financially, and last year we did a, like a t-shirt giveaway for everybody who signed up locally for us. We will probably do something like that again this year. If you want to get involved in volunteering, we're looking to do more advocacy stuff. There are things that, that we're doing that we certainly could use more folks to do, especially as we're getting out into the community more. I'm not going to be more specific than that than it, because it really depends. One of the things that PFLAG is great about, but also it makes it difficult to explain what we do, is so much of what we do is one-on-one -on -one conversations and one-off situations that we, we advocate for and such. So sometimes it's simply building that network of community. So if somebody comes to us and say, hey, I have this situation going on, I say, no problem. I've got this person. They want to help. Uh, we haven't found exactly the way that they can be of use. This is right up their alley. Let me get you all connected. That's something very simple. So if people want to volunteer, they can they can write in uh, pflagfresno at gmail.com. Just check in with us or stop by anyone that when we table at most of the queer events and stuff or the meeting. And I have another question. You mentioned before parents and friends of lesbians and gays, and now it's just the acronym with nothing behind it because of diversity. I totally get that. But let me ask you this. I've been to many PFLAG meetings in Fresno and elsewhere. It used to be that the organization were was technically parents and friends of lesbians and gays. It was technically cis people or straight people who had gay kids or, or LGBTQ plus kids. Now it's more LGBTQ people running the organization. How did that evolve and where do you see that going forward? I'm just curious, How do you not have a lot of straight parents that are trying to join these organizations? And uh, I'll pause you right there because what we're seeing a lot who's coming to the meetings right now is parents of trans kids. We get a lot of parents of trans kids who are coming to us and saying, my kid just came out or gender non-binary, gender diverse children. My kid just came out. I love them, I want to support them, and I don't know what to do. And we have other parents who are there. So it used to be, like you said, you know, we would advertise in uh, whatever, you know, some of the bars or in the, the the community newspapers, like people would bring their parents and say, hey, mom, dad, there's this group. But to me, when that's not getting us out in the community where we need to be anymore. Trans youth are not out in the bars. Right. Um, necessarily. They're, they're, they're at school, they're in the library, they're at work, they're, you know, they're doing whatever life they're doing and, and their parents are doing whatever life they're doing. And that's where we need to get out into the community and meet them more. Yeah. So I am an out transgender man. I transitioned back in the ice ages in the nineties and I'm the current chapter president. 
But um, our board is actually comprised of a pretty mixed group. We have two parents of trans and non-binary kids. We have one cis gay man. We have a tr two trans women now and uh, one straight ally. So we're a pretty mixed group. And I think that we're we're doing a good job of representing the folks who are kind of banding together to make sure that our community is is served and taken care of, you know, allied and advocated for. But yeah, the, the folks who are coming to the meetings 30 years ago, if your kid came out as gay, you went to a PFLAG meeting. Now it's it's parents um, and especially moms. I wish I could get more dads, but it seems to be especially moms of trans kids. And so I think... In, ter in terms of that, it's good because for one thing, they see me as a trans man living my life and they know that all the big emotions and the big feelings that come up when somebody comes out as trans, that 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 doesn't stick around for forever. Life life eventually moves on. You, you get through what, you know, the tough part of coming out and then you just live your life. Um, so it helps for parents to see me in that role. And then it helps that I have parents who are very happy to step up and speak to other parents and share with them what they went through, what helped, what struggles they had, what joys they had, and where they can find resources. So I, I really actually like our mix. No, it sounds it sounds great. And I, I think I'm glad you explained it because I think mm -hmm. I'm looking at it differently and maybe because I'm as old as Kalia says I am, <laughs> I have this picture of PFLAG from the 70s and a picture now but of course everything evolves and now that you tell me the mix of the people i think that's great yeah and actually you know when we talk about the 70s even the 70s um uh, gene manford is our founder and she was a mom and her son morty was involved he was an activist in his own right yeah so even at the very beginning the very founding in 1973 there were queer people involved in the running of pflag which i think is great cool oh, so this is 50 years of pflag this year 50 years. Yeah. And about 30 years here. And our founder, Kathy Ward, she and her husband, Jerry, founded us in circa 1991. She still comes to meetings. Awesome. Which let me tell you, is like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, don't screw up. Don't screw up. <laughs> do good job. The founder is here. And of course, she's not like that at all. But uh, right. that's my own insecurities. Drew, tell us about how people get in touch with you, you know, your social stuff, all of that. Find us on Instagram. We do have a website where we have resources. I actually, as you know, Chris, I, I have some updates to make to that. I need to update. It's, it's a great website, though. I'm, I'm going to say I hadn't been to the website in a while, and I went to it when we were talking about going to the library event. It's a great website. Check it out, people. What's the address of the website? pflagfresno.org. And we have a resources where um, we speak to local therapists, local medical providers, which, of course, we're sorely lacking on both who are competent in, in specifically trans care. But I have good news in that today I made contact with two new resources who will go in our therapist's uh, resource. Oh, great. And both of them who are licensed psychologists and will be able to write second letters for gender affirming surgery because some insurances, even though the standards of care have moved on, some insurances to acquire that. So I'm happy to be able to offer that we have two new people here in town, and one of them I'm super excited to work with. So we are constantly adding to the resources. And anybody who's on that resources page, I have spoken to personally, and I will vouch for them. If people have a problem with with providers who are on there, let me know, because I don't want to give information that that our, our community is actually finding is not, not helpful. If there are problems, and sometimes if there are problems, they can be resolved with education, which is another facet of what we do. Okay, so on Instagram and the email and the website, it's all... 
PFLAG Fresno at whatever PFLAG Fresno yeah. at, you know, on Instagram, PFLAG Fresno at gmail.com, PFLAG Fresno.org, right? The only difference is that on Instagram, I got a little fancy and I put an underscore under PFLAG and Fresno. <laughs> well, but that's not good branding there, Drew. That's no, just not kidding. good branding, but it was too late to change now. But I did finally think about it and claim just regular at PFLAG Fresno. So that it'll it'll bounce to it, it it'll, it'll show you. Yeah, that. you'll search, you'll find it, people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wonderful. We also have one one last resource that we offer, folks. Is every year I do an annual transgender one hundred and one training, and we have a P flag YouTube. This is the only uh, published video that we have on that, and I update it every year with our annual training to update the language and update uh, what we're looking at and why we need to have this training. So I just did that this last month. So if you just Google. Flag Fresno YouTube, it'll you'll find it, and it's the only video we we keep up there. And then, how do people find the Amazon wish list? Yeah, that's at tinyurl.com forward slash pflag wish list. If you want to donate money, it's tinyurl.com forward slash pflag library. Okay. You can also find that from our Instagram, the the uh, link in bio. We have a link tree and it's in there under, I think we have a library tab or something. Awesome. Well, Drew, thank you so much. It was so great to see you last night and I'm so excited about the library and I can't wait to buy you lots of books for Christmas this year because yes, yes the fiction section, that's my jam, baby, is, <laughs> is fiction books, as you can see behind me. So we want to, we want to fill that section yes. up. Yeah. And I just, I just want to say to people listening out there, I can't speak highly enough of Drew. He does such a great job and he's out there all the time. We have all been at events speaking at the same time. He is supportive and knowledgeable and he will find the answers if you need the answers. Particularly if you're particularly if you're in the trans community and you need help, reach out to Drew. He can help you. Indeed. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. We appreciate you and all that you do. All right. So thank you so much to Drew. And and again, I said it in the interview, but I can't emphasize enough. If you are especially trans in this community and you need support, Drew is there for you. And so reach out. Yes, for sure. And again, we're going to put the link to that Amazon wish list in the show notes this week. It's a great thing to do, you know, at Christmas time, the holidays, whatever you celebrate, if you're buying anybody presents and you're going to be using Amazon anyways, just just drop a book into your Amazon box, you know, and uh, and there you go. And of course, PFLAG is also happy to take your money. But we really, really, really want to support the little library and help it expand and grow, especially that fiction section. And it's all free, people. It's all free. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Okay. I did tease earlier that we had some good news. So let me pull up my notes. Back to the County Board of Supervisors. <laughs> There's a new county librarian. And what happened, it's it's a little bit of a mystery. There's the, the county librarian. And his name is Raman Bath, and he has demoted himself, which is a little weird. He didn't resign. He just demoted himself. He says, for personal reasons, I feel it would be best if I step down from my position as department head. You require someone unfettered by some of the issues that have been plaguing me both physically and professionally. And I feel in my current state of mind, I can continue to support the county as well as my beloved library in another capacity. So... Okay, I'm not really sure what that's all about, but I do know that the person who has stepped in to replace him is named Sally Gomez. She is the interim county librarian. Okay. She's and temporary, she right? Or is she? Yep. She's temporary. the interim. Okay. 
Yep. And she has been with the library system since 2006, except for a five-year stint with the Fresno EOC. And I reached out to somebody over at the EOC who I didn't ask if I could quote her, so I'm not going to say her name. And I said, what do you know about Sally Gomez? And she said, Sally Gomez is good people and she's on the right side of history. So we will take it. We will (laughs) will take it where we can get it. Right side of history. For sure. This is happening, of course, right before Steve Brandau's whole thing. So I, I have a feeling that Sally Gomez is going to be offering plenty of pushback. And so we are excited to to hear about that. And we have sent out a message to Sally Gomez asking her to come on the show. We shall see if that happens. But, you know, we try real hard over here and it's a queer thing to to touch base with people and not just have it be our voices and our sides. Absolutely. Of so. And there's um, there's a new pastor at the Big Red Church. If anyone mm-hmm. is interested, um, Big Red speaking Church. Speaking of new people, speaking yes. of new people, speaking of welcoming supportive spaces the big red church has always been behind our community and simon biazel moshrefi and i'm sorry simon if i messed with your name there i i haven't met you so i don't know you have to come on the show simon you have to come on the show simon we want to talk to you Um, tell us how to say it he said just a brief thing on facebook he said it's a true honor to join this community which has been which has had a long legacy of living out their faith by radical hospitality. I love that term, radical hospitality and advocating for justice. So be assured that we still have support at the Big Red Church. And another little bit of good news. And this I want to end on because it's a story in a couple of parts. Okay, this has to do with scholastic book fairs. And Chris, I'm sorry, I already called you old once, but I'm gonna do it again. You did, I missed it. When did you do it earlier? (laughs) Earlier, I think. I'm old. I forgot what you said. So go yes, ahead. Yes, exactly. Did, did they have scholastic book fairs when you were in school? Was that a was that? Well, a they had scholastic books. They must have had fairs. I never attended one, but. Okay. So when I was a kid, they got the little, like these newsprint catalogs. They were like four pages long. And then you could like mark which books you wanted and then you'd order them and then they'd come. But then there was also the book fair that would come to the school and you could go in with your little envelope of money and there would be like posters and pencils and then lots and lots of books and you would buy some books. And it was very cool. They still do those. They have them at, you know, my daughter's schools. They've always had the scholastic book fairs. Nowadays, it's very tech savvy. Like you can from afar, her grandparents can put money into her scholastic book fair oh, cool. bank account. And then when she goes in, she knows exactly how much money and, and can and buy. And Scholastic is a brand, right? Yes, it is. It, it's a publishing brand. I mean, so is they, it a publishing they, brand that's tied to general education, public education, or is it just called Scholastic? Because what I mean is, it, is it built out of the public school system? Is it part oh, of the no. public school system? No, it's not. It's an independent corporation, right? Yes, yeah, it okay. is. It is a, okay. independent. That's what I thought library resources educational things it's 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 a pretty expansive or corporation yeah but they do a lot of books there's actually a uh, scholastic what is it called a warehouse here in fresno and if you are if you are in the know if you are a registered educator you can go in around the holidays and stock up on books and get them at a discount which is really amazing anyways okay so (laughs) what happened though was they had at one point decided to let school districts elect not to offer the collection called um, Share Every Story, Celebrate Every Voice. So when when the, the schools are going to have Scholastic Book Fairs come in, the Scholastic Book Fair, or Scholastic is the, they come in with all of their books and the long list of books that the, the schools can say, yes, you know, bring all your books. They were going to let schools opt out of having diverse books 
So a school district could say, you know what, we don't want books that have black characters and queer characters. Just don't even bring them to the school. And they were doing this. Why? Because pressure. Because of the pressure. Yes, because in response to the state laws and the pending legislation and whatever, um, they were like, oh, we don't want to get involved in that. So we're just going to like we're going to let the schools opt out of having diverse books. Right. And of course, there was backlash to that. People are real pissed. Thank God. And because of the backlash, because of the letter writing campaign and the social media campaigns, and I'm pretty sure there was one of those you know, sign change org, you know, petitions and whatever, they have reversed their decision. And now schools are not allowed to opt out. If you are going to have scholastic book fairs, which is money for the schools and, and promotes reading and all that stuff, you just get the diverse books. They are just part of the yeah. package. You don't get to opt out of them. And that is good. So and not only were a- they not opting out, did you say this? And if you did, we can edit this out that they at the book fairs, they were separating the books. Like they were putting queer books over here and and books about black people over here and on the well, gym. yeah, in one whole section. So this yeah. was our diverse section, this end cap, right? And then everything else was separate. So you had to um, find it. You, well, they they were separating them. Right. So now right. they're going to be back to being mixed in. Right. So that you can just when you're looking at a book, you might pick it up and not even know that there's a queer character until you right, decide you right. want to read it, which is the way it should be. Of course. Yeah. So anyways, the, the, the two parts of this is, you know, good. It's really good that they reverse the decision, you know, but the reason they reverse the decision is because people spoke up and said that this is, this is knuck and futs, man, don't do this. Bingo. And so I think that we need to, to circle all the way back to our topic at the beginning of the show. We have to show up. We have to speak out. We have to send those letters to the county board of supervisors and say, this isn't going to stand. This isn't okay. Because I think, what is it? What is that quote? You know, evil prevails when good men stand silent. And that goes for men, women, children. Yeah, everybody. I mean, we they all ca- have to speak up. They count on us not speaking up. They count on things like they count on this going under the radar. I heard a, a couple of people recently, more than a couple, talk about the LGBTQ plus community in Fresno and how powerful it is and how more orga- much more organized it is than other cities around the Central Valley. And I'm not downing any cities around the Central Valley. You know, we have a higher population here and we have been going after and being activists in the LGBTQ plus community for many, many, many years. So, I mean, the reason that we all know about this supervisors meeting and we are organizing to protest it, just like we did Clovis City Council and Clovis School Board is because, and Bass Lake is because we are connected and we reach out to each other. So, Kaylee is absolutely right. I mean, speaking up, your voice counts. It's easy for us all to go. We've all had this thought, oh, my voice doesn't mean anything or 10 voices don't mean anything, but it does. You've got Mm -hmm. to do something. You've got to speak up, whether that's if you're not comfortable going to a meeting and speaking in public and we totally get that. You know, that's what we're here for. We do that a lot. If you can't do that, write a letter, email it in. That's it. That's all you have to do. And it will make a difference. Share it on social media. Maybe you don't have the spoons to do the letter and to show up, but maybe somebody in your network or your friend group does. And that's important too. And also it gets people talking. And I think that we, we are at an interesting point right now in, in our society. We're being reminded about the power of collective thought and collective motivations and movement, because we have seen strikes this summer, this fall, so many so many strikes. Kaiser's strike, and they got what they wanted. The writers were on strike. They got what they wanted. The actors are still on strike, but they're, there's nego- they're back to negotiating. The UWA is now, like they've come to a tentative agreement. The freaking Fresno School District almost went on strike. Today would have been the first day of a strike. 
massive, not huge strike, 4,000 teachers walking off the job. And with 24 hours to go, the, the district blinked. And as we are recording right now, the teachers are right now voting whether or not to accept this tentative um, bargaining agreement that they've made. And it and all signs point to, yes, they're going to approve it. And there's not going to be the strike because the teachers are going to get what they want. So we do have power when we get together and we demand to be heard. And that's what we need to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So your voice counts, people. Use it. Okay, so that seems like a really good, strong, awesome place to end it. But Chris, I have one more question for you. Is this another joke that I won't get? (laughs) Well, okay, you know, you can tell me to stop telling Thanksgiving jokes, but uh, fine, I'll quit cold turkey. It's okay. Uh, I'm back. I'm sorry. Was that? Was that too foul for you? Oh, well, you know, and I do all those jokes at kickball when I say, you know, that's a foul and this person really likes chicken. So isn't it ironic? I mean, foul goes a long way. It really, really does. What was it? There was that one foul. I said that that, that ball was so foul it laid eggs. It laid eggs. <laughs> See, foul works on all kinds of levels. It really, really does. You can follow us on Facebook and on threads and on Instagram. Please watch our feeds for more information about this County Board of Supervisors shenanigans. And of course, feel free to email us at it's a queer thing, T-H-A-N-G at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, especially if you work for the library, but just in general as well. We would love any kind of feedback. Remember, we are trying to spotlight LGBT friendly businesses and LGBT owned businesses. So if you are an LGBT owned or friendly business, please let us know. Please be safe out there and enjoy your candy comas and all the sales of all the Halloween stuff that's on sale right now. All right, people, we'll see you next time. PFLAG is a nonprofit, right? Yeah, you have to actually say it. You can't just nod. <laughs> it is an audio <laughs> podcast, Drew. <laughs> they can all hear my nod, right? Everything yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, we are a nonprofit. Try to tell a joke. Knock, knock. Who's there? Fuck. Fuck who? You. I know it's stupid. I found that online. I looked up. That makes sense. I know. I just looked up. I look and I was looking up gay, gay knock, knock jokes, and a lot of them you don't. Okay. Yeah. Knock, knock. Who's there? Normally. Normally, who? Normally, I'm a fan of dumb jokes, but that one was fucking stupid. See, that can be my own sound effect. I don't need those fucking bells. You really can. I wonder if you blew out all the speakers. I probably do. <laughs> I've blown lots of things in the past, so.